630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Six games in the NHL tonight. Only one of them is underway after the first period. Bruins lead the Capitals 1-0. Brad Marchand has the goal in that game, his 11th of the season. Tom Wilson, a uh, high hit in that game. You wonder if there's going to be supplemental discipline as he uh, went in really high on a Bruins player and drove his head into the glass. Brandon Carlo was the player being hit on the play. I'm just watching some video of it here online and uh, definitely the type of thing that I would think the NHL's Department of Player Safety is going to take a look at. Oilers back at practice today. We'll talk more about them as we move along tonight, they will take on the Calgary Flames tomorrow at Rogers Place. The game starts at 8. Our broadcast here on 6.30, Chad, will begin at 6.30. Of course, the Flames making a coaching change. Daryl Sutter back behind the bench in Calgary, though. He actually won't be behind the bench tomorrow. He has to go through the uh, the COVID protocols here. So Ryan Huska will run the Flames bench tomorrow night. But that's obviously a big story, and we'll touch on that too as we move through the show. Well, yeah, I first saw it uh, announced at about 9.30 or so last night. Walter Gretzky passing away at the age of 82, an absolute Canadian icon. And a lot of people sharing memories and thoughts on Walter's life today, including one of the all-time greats in the National Hockey League, one of the all-time greats in the Oilers organization, Mark Messier, who had this to say about the relationship between Wayne and Walter. We all know that the relationship between Wayne and Walter was incredible. I think something to be emulated, the way he uh, nurtured uh, Wayne a prodigy from the very early ages all the way up into the pros when he turned 17. Uh, Walter had a, a way of making everybody feel good about themselves. Uh, even when we would get down on ourselves after a loss, uh, Walter always had a way of keeping things in perspective and making us feel good and keeping the, uh, or, or keeping us focused in on the next game and the next opportunity. Uh, you know, Wayne very rarely had a slump, but, uh, when the team had a slump, uh, Oftentimes, and we needed to win, the, the, the Oilers would surprise uh, Wayne and, and fly Walter in somewhere on the road trip. And uh, Dave Smenko always used to joke that uh, well, he would say, I, well, I guess we're going to win tonight. Uh, Walter's in town uh, because of the fact that Wayne would uh, put on a show in front of his dad like he had always done. Um, you know, uh, Dave, Dave often said that, uh, you know, Walter, Walter really was our MVP because uh, his record was unbelievable, actually. But even more importantly than that, I think the relationship that, uh, uh, you know, we had as players with each other only to be outdone by our parents and the relationship that they had with each other and the forms and the, and the, and the friendship they formed, well, obviously Walter being front and center of that, you know, we thought we were having a good time through the 80s, but uh, I think our parents outdid us and uh, really enjoyed each other's company. Uh, you know, we keep talking about what a family uh, uh, the Oilers were through those years, uh, the respect that we had, and, and they were welcomed into the organization. And because of it, uh, as players, we got to know the parents really well. Uh, we spent a lot of time with the parents uh, on and around the rink, but obviously away from the rink as well, whether, you know, be invited to someone's home or, or whatnot. Um, so, you know, we really got to know all the families, obviously Walter and Phyllis being a big part of that over the years. And, uh, but I, I, I agree with Kevin hundred uh, percent, you know, Wally uh, is going to be missed not only by us, but I think uh, 
the hockey world and certainly all of Canada. That is Mark Messier with some memories of the relationship between Walter and Wayne. I like that story. Maybe the Oilers in a bit of a funk, so they bring in Walter on a road trip to view a game and Dave Semenko according to Messier, saying that, uh, well, we're going to win. Walter's here. <laughs> Got a pretty good record when Walter's in the stands. Walter Gretzky, everybody knew him. I mean, if you're a Canadian hockey fan, I- I'm not going to say he was uh, as famous as his son, but I think he might have been as beloved in sort of a different way. I think it has to do with that angle of hockey parents and their kids, you know, parents and kids, fathers and sons, and that relationship that everybody can understand. I was on with Rob Breckenridge this morning, and I, you know, I, I, I used to watch, obviously, Gretzky throughout his entire career, and I was a kid when he was in Edmonton and getting 200-point seasons. And, you know, it's awesome, but, you know, I mean, it's, it's, so, it's so unattainable, and, and nobody had ever done that before, and, and maybe it was uh, hard to process what he was doing. But everybody could understand Walter, his love for, for Wayne and Wayne's love for Walter and, and uh, you know, how important they were to each other. And uh, as a result of Wayne Gretzky being, well, throughout most of his career, I'm going to say one of, if not the most famous person in Canada, Walter got to be pretty well-known as well. And Kevin Lowe commented on Walter embracing celebrity. I think he was reluctant early on. And, and, and again, he was such a humble gentleman. And, uh, you know, I can recall, you know, upteen times where, where Wayne would be just bombarded by people, whether it's, you know, the media or fans. And, uh, you know, Walter would come to town or we'd be in some other city and, and, you know, he would just patiently wait on the sidelines, wait for Wayne to do his thing. And, and, um, you know, at some point in a person's life, you know, they say, you know, you think, you know, a parent would say, listen, I want to spend some time with my child here. Uh, But that never happened. Uh, And I would say in the early days, you know, Walter, in fact, just went the other way. He would stay away from the attention. But I'm not sure whether it was his aneurysm in 91 or he just he just uh, embraced the attention. But he really became, uh, uh, well, he became as famous as Wayne in our country, uh, quite frankly, uh, traveling around to uh, minor hockey games, uh, to pro games. I know he used to go to the, he had tickets for the Leafs. He'd go see the Leafs play but he went to see junior hockey games and, and uh, you know, often we'd be out with Wayne somewhere at a restaurant or whatever in a hotel and, and people would just as quickly gravitate over to Walter for an autograph as they would Wayne. And I, I think by that point, uh, I think he understood his place in, uh, in our, our country's history and recognized the importance of it and, and, and really did start to embrace it. Kevin Lowe, he and Mark Messier were available on a Zoom call this afternoon. If you remember the the 94-95 season, it was really only the 95 season because there weren't any games played in 1994 because of the NHL lockout that reduced the season to 48 games. So Wayne Gretzky had a, 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 it was called a 99 All-Stars Tour. So it was he and other top name players and his friends went around and played some games to give fans a, a dose of hockey. And Walter was on the trip and Mark Messier as well. And Messier recalled that uh, 99 All-Stars tour and spending a lot of time with Walter. Uh, it was amazing, actually, uh, to, to be around Wally for that amount of days and really spend time with them and uh, get to know him at such a, you know, uh, intimate level for uh 
for that period of time. Um, for me, Wally was always uh, someone, like I said, you could talk to after a game and put a healthy perspective on the situation, whether it was good or bad. Um, you know, Wayne uh, was who he was because of Wally, obviously. Um, he had time. Wayne had time for everybody. He had time for the press, as you guys know. Um, he had time. He, he made everybody feel good about uh, their position on the team, uh, no matter wh who they were. And you can see it with Wally. Wally had time for everybody. And as Kevin mentioned, uh, Wally had an unbelievable ability to share Wayne with the country um, and not get in the way of the demands on Wayne. And uh, and Wayne, I think, understood from a very early age that uh, there was a big responsibility coming his way with uh, the type of player that he became. Uh, he was well prepared for it. Uh, he didn't take it for granted. and. Uh, you know, talking to Wally uh, over many years, you could you could see the those those lessons that he instilled in in Wayne, and uh, he was just a happy-go-lucky guy. A little bit there for Mark Messier as we remember Walter Gretzky tonight on Inside Sports. One of the biggest moments in Wayne's career, at least from an individual accomplishment, was getting those 50 goals in 39 games. Yes, in in 39 games uh, 40 years ago. Uh, Kevin Lowe talked about that night and Walter's role or perhaps a uh, lack of a role it turned out in that. Another memory is, uh, you know, not so much, well, it's what didn't happen with Walters when Wayne scored 50 and 39 and um, uh, Wayne had scored, uh, he got his 45th goal in the 38th game. And so he said to us, he said he was going to phone Walter and have him fly out to Vancouver for, for game 40, uh, never thinking that he would score five goals in his next game. So he did that. He phoned his dad. He said, Dad, uh, uh, this was the day of the 39th game. He said, Dad, tomorrow I'll get on the plane and go to Vancouver, and uh, you know maybe I'll do it there. And afterwards, I think game 41 was in Edmonton or Los Angeles or something. You can stay with us and be there when I score my 50th goal. So of course, game 39, Wayne goes out and gets five goals, as we all remember. And and what struck me, besides the fact that he scored five goals to do it, was uh, right after the game, he walked in the room and he said, "Well, I guess I'll have to call Big Wally and tell him not to go to Vancouver." <laughs> That's a good one there from Kevin Lowe. Uh, good to hear from him and Mark Messier today, sharing memories of Walter Gretzky. Tell you what, if you. Uh, I think it's a day where if you want to remember Walter Gretzky, maybe you met him, maybe you just have some thoughts you'd like to share. I am happy to be available for you tonight. 780-496-0063 is the number to both call and text. And, of course, you're calling the CertainTeed hotline, CertainTeed professional-grade building materials pro all the way. Uh, we're going to have a full interview coming up later on tonight with a pretty significant person in the career of Wayne Gretzky. That is Bruce McNall, the former owner of, of the uh, LA Kings. We'll have that in the second hour of the show, but a quick clip from that here with, with McNall remembering Walter Gretzky. He was so down to earth. I mean, he was working for the phone company when I knew him, always was, always did. Uh, he was not at all, you know, one of these dads that's uh, overbearing or trying to dictate whether whatever is happening and uh, a stage mother kind of thing. He was not that at all. Uh, he was obviously the kind of guy that really cared about the sport, cares about his kids a lot. And, uh, and you can see that, uh, funny enough, from the day we spoke, 
until near the end, I spoke to him maybe, oh, God, it's been several months ago. Uh, he would always call me Mr. McNall, no matter what. Mr. McNall, hey, Mr. McNall, what do you think of this? You know, and it was so funny because he was so polite and so caring, it was endearing uh, that he would do that all the time. So he was, uh, you know, he was an amazing guy. Um, I would ask him questions like, you know, did you ever, did you know that Wayne was that good? Yeah, I kind of knew when, I, when he was about three or four years old, he could be pretty good. And sort of by the time I was eight or nine, he was awfully good. I would say, how much of that is that responsible to you? And he would laugh. He'd say, well, just tell Wayne I, all of it is. That is Bruce McNall. We'll have the full interview with him later on tonight. All right, Bruins just scoring here to go up 2-0 on the Washington Capitals in the second period. Uh, 780-496-0063 is the number to get in touch. Uh, Paul writing in about that uh, 99 All-Stars tour that uh, he's pointing out it was uh, actually uh, an international tour that Gretzky and his uh, his uh, his team of All-Stars went on. Yeah, they played in Detroit. They played a couple games in Finland. They played in Norway, played three games in Sweden, and uh, wrapped it up in Germany in the first couple of weeks of December back in 1994. And we had Mark Messier talking about going on that tour and spending a lot of time with Walter Gretzky. Also, Luke says uh, Walter Gretzky was a dad who nourished and encouraged his son rather than push him to be the best, the ultimate hockey dad for sure, a Canadian treasure, and the passing of Chris Schultz as well. A sad day in the Canadian sports world. They will be missed a ton. Yeah, Luke, and I, I want to talk about uh, Chris Schultz as well. Uh, someone I, I I guess he was probably on the show several years ago a few times since I've been the host. He was always fun to talk to, really energetic, loved football, knew a lot about football. And I wasn't on the TSN panel the last few seasons. He'd been doing a little bit of radio work with the Toronto Argos. But he was, I think, literally and figuratively a a larger-than-life figure who uh, was very passionate about the the Canadian game. And it has certainly been a big part of his career and his life. I saw some videos posted online today that he did with uh, a video he did with James Duthie, with, uh, you know, Duthie supposedly trying out to play in the Canadian Football League and... uh, and, uh, Schultz being supportive yet dismissive at the same time. It was actually pretty funny. He he was uh, he he was really good. I, I mean, I always enjoyed watching him. Uh, I thought he was entertaining, and he gave you information as well. So we're gonna miss Chris Schultz too. We have Darren writing in. He says, "I never met Mr. Gretzky, but man, I felt like we all knew him. My son is 14 years old, playing AAA hockey now. He started playing hockey when he was three. I started making a rink on our acreage for my kids and." Uh, and shortly graduated to the country pond next to our atrium as the ODR uh, to be in at this part of the country. Kids skate on it all the time, which is awesome. So that is uh, Darren with his hockey dad story, as we remember Walter Gretzky tonight on Inside Sports. I'm happy to uh, to get those uh, texts for sure, and anything you want to share, I will uh, I will do my best to get that out there tonight. And again, Bruce McNall, full interview with him coming up between 7.30 and 8 this evening. I should mention, too, the Oil Kings are in action tonight. They're going to face off at 7 o'clock at the downtown community rink against the Medicine Hat Tigers. The Oilers were back at practice today. Dominic Cahoon was uh, on the ice after not playing in the game on Wednesday against the Toronto Maple Leafs. So the Oilers take on Calgary tomorrow. Here's how the forward lines 
look today. Nugent Hopkins, McDavid, and Pugliarvi back together, and Cahoon, Dreisaitl, and Yamamoto back together. So we do not see Nugent Hopkins, Dreisaitl, and Yamamoto as a line. Cahoon comes back in and uh, goes into that slot. Devin Shore looks like he's going to play tomorrow. He was on the left wing with Jujar Kara and Josh Archibald. And then the fourth line is one which has actually been decent when it's been together at times this season. Gaetan Haas centering James Neal and Alex Chase on. So the extra forwards kind of rotating through as a fifth line, if you want to call it that, were Ennis, Patrick Russell, Kyle Turris, and Joachim Nygaard. So Ennis has been in and out. He's had some good games, and it's been a really tough go this season for Kyle Turris. As we approach the halfway point, you, I think you have to start to wonder if he is going to turn it around and be a regular contributor in the lineup. Looks like he's going to be scratched tomorrow. On defense, Nurse was with Bear, Lagason was with Larson, Chris Russell was with Evan Bouchard, and Caleb Jones was with Ethan Bear. Not sure who the extra pairing is, but it wouldn't surprise me if it's Jones and Bear who come out of the line tomorrow. Wouldn't be wouldn't surprise me if it's Jones and Bear who who come out of the lineup tomorrow. So we'll uh, we'll keep an eye on that. We'll see what happens at the Oilers morning skate. There was a moment at the practice today when Dave Tippett got a little angry. He uh, <laughs> he'd launched uh, into a bit of a, a tirade at the team during a drill. Didn't like what he was seeing, and uh, a few things from that. And I got to give credit to uh, Dave Parker with uh, with TSN who captured this on video. I couldn't hear it very well at the rink, but I, he posted it and went back and watched it later. And one of the things Tippett said, do it right, do it together, and execute. And one of the things he said was Toronto clogged up the neutral zone the entire game, and we were stuck in our own end the entire time. Do you want that to happen again? So clearly something they're working on here, and Tippett didn't like their execution as they try to uh, maneuver through Toronto's checking over the last three games. Coaching change in Calgary is a big story. Now 3-0 for the Bruins leading the Capitals with six minutes left in the second period. Lightning up 2-1 in Chicago. That's about 13 minutes into the game. Coming up later, the Ducks play the Avalanche. Los Angeles will host St. Louis. Wild meet the Coyotes. Golden Knights at Sharks. 7 o'clock downtown. Oil Kings up against the Medicine Hat Tigers. They have a home-and-home. Home. Uh, the Oil Kings will be off next weekend, and then they'll have a three-game set against Red Deer in a couple of weeks. Oilers and Flames tomorrow, 8 o'clock, puck drop at Rogers Place. Our coverage will start at 6.30 with the face-off show here on 6.30. Ched, Flames certainly in the news, making the coaching change. Jeff Ward is out. Daryl Sutter is in. He talked about coming back to the Flames. It's unfinished business. It's still really clear in my mind losing in the Stanley Cup final with the team and and thinking about it on the flight home from Tampa about the players and the and the owners and how much that resonated with me how much it stayed in my mind yeah he got the flames pretty close back in 2004 Calgary to me kind of a, a mystifying team to watch not not as good as I, I thought they would be in some nights not as as passionate as I thought they would be, quite frankly. Brad Trailer, the GM of the team. You know, our game is a game of emotion. Um, and as a manager, there's there's certain times that are required for patience. 
and there's certain times that are that that require action and in watching our team over the last several days weeks i felt strongly that this this time right now was a time for action all right and take action they did brockett writing in as he remembers Walter Gretzky, he says, uh, my sincere condolences go out to the Gretzky family. I never met Walter, but it feels like my father passed away again. They would have liked each other. Appreciate some of the stories you guys are sharing on the text line tonight. Cassie Campbell-Pascal is uh, on the line, and she's going to be broadcasting the game tomorrow from Rogers Place. Cassie, welcome back to Inside Sports. How are you doing? I'm doing wonderful, Reed. How are you? I am doing great. It's uh, it's awesome to have you on the show again. And I, I just uh, read a message there from a listener about Walter Gretzky, and we had some memories from Mark Messier and Kevin Lowe in the first half hour of the show, and certainly uh, an outpouring of emotion. I, I was on with Rob Breckenridge this morning. I only met Walter once. It was about 20 years ago, very early in my career in Lloyd Minster. And uh, what I remember from Walter then, Cassie, is he was there sort of to talk about uh, – I think it was sort of an awareness for strokes and aneurysms, and he was knew everything about what had happened to him. He was pointing at the spots on his head where things had gone wrong, like totally open about it and, and just full of energy. That's what I remember, just a very engaging, energetic individually. That was my only one experience with, uh, with Walter Gretzky, and I'm just wondering what yours were over the years. You know, I was fortunate enough, Reed, to have a bunch. And obviously, the Hockey Canada circles and, and the opportunity to spend time with the men's team's families because of my husband's involvement with the team. And, you know, just spent a lot of time around Wayne and the Gretzky family through Hockey Canada events and did a bunch of charity events and speaking events with Walter. And, you know, I think your, your one listener there just before I came on said it best. I think we all kind of feel like we lost our father in a way because, if you had a chance to meet him or you had a chance to see him at an, an event, he was probably one of the most real people you've ever met. And despite the fact that, you know, he was Wayne Gretzky's father, he he just was so real and so humble and so generous. And um, that's the thing I always remember about him, you know, from the first initial meetings that we had was that, you know, I, I was kind of shy and like, hello, Mr. Gretzky. And he would immediately just talk to you and take you in as if you were his best friend. And that's what he did to everyone, whether it was the first time he met you or he'd met you for the 25th time or whatever the case may be. He just, he seemed to have so much time for everybody else. And, you know, that's just a true testament to what a good person really is. Yeah, that that's a great way to put it. And that's what I took away because like Cassie that might have been in the first year of my career when I interviewed him and I'm like I was you know nervous and I'm thinking Jesus he even gonna want to bother doing something with the little Lloyd Minster station you know but I remember he gave me all the time in the world and he treated me like I was Walter Cronkite you know and I was gonna tell his story to billions of billions of people so it very you're right very engaging and very yet very down to earth despite his kind of celebrity status that was thrust upon him and that, you know, you can tell that's where Wayne got it from and, and not to take anything away from his mom because, you know, she was a big part of that too. But, you know, I remember a story in, in the 1998 Olympics and all the athletes, you know, the hockey players, you know, luge athletes, women's hockey players, whatever athletes were all in the commons inside the Olympic Village. And, and all of a sudden, you know, Wayne and Janet walk in and Janet's there on a path and, you know, visitors pass, obviously. And, 
and they, they just sit down amongst a group like no big deal on the couch and they just start talking to everyone and introducing themselves to everybody and you know that's what Walter did too right and I think Wayne you know really really learned it from his father and and I think his father kept him humble and you know pushed him of course like you know all our parents do to some degree but I think kept Wayne humble you know despite the superstar status and and even today, you know, you get a chance to sit with Wayne. He's the same. He's like just this ordinary guy, you know, and, and you kind of, all of us are kind of pinching ourselves that we're sitting beside these people, but they really are kind of ordinary, humble, generous people. And that was one thing that I, I think Walter should be proud of is that, you know, he, he kind of passed that on to all of his kids, you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well said. Cassie, we actually were going to have you on even before the Calgary Flames made made the coaching change last night. So uh worked out even better to have you on to talk about that. And, I, you know, I mentioned it leading in, and, uh, you know, I've seen the Flames play the Oilers, and I know it's, you know, 2-1 for the Oilers. It's not a huge edge, but I see bits and pieces of other Flames games, and I, you know, Kelly's on my show, and I talked to Pat Steinberg, and there's, like, there's this sense that there's something missing from the flames like a little spark or a little jolt and where would they be without markstrom and trey living even kind of alluded to it in that clip that i gave like what what have you seen is there some sort of fire that hasn't been lit under the team yet you know you kind of get this sense that there's no one there that's bringing everybody together and and I, i i'm not trying to criticize leadership or anything like that but you just get a sense that people are looking at each other rather than someone stepping up and and saying the right thing and doing the right thing. And I think that's what Daryl can bring. And sure, it comes with a little bit of controversy because he's been out of the game a little bit. And I think people still see him as the Daryl Sutter of of way back when, sort of that tyrant. And I think he softened in that area a little bit, not not 100%, 100%, but I think a little bit. But I, I think he's a guy that can bring everyone together on, on a same page. And he's not going to do it by being warm and fuzzy. Um, but I think he, he's black and white in the sense that he's going to tell you exactly what he thinks. He's not going to sugarcoat it. And sometimes in today's day and age, some players will need it sugarcoated. But I think with this group, the inconsistencies have shown up year after year after year that it was kind of time to bring in someone like this. And, you know, if you look back, some of the best hockey this team has played has been under hard-nosed Bob Hartley, uh, and it's been under hard-nosed Bill Peters. And, um, you know, so I think going back to that well is good. And the thing that I noticed today when Daryl spoke was it was all about winning. And I know he spoke to the group, and, of course, every coach is going to do that. That's what this game is about. But he brings up 2004 as if it was yesterday, and it still hurts, like as if it was yesterday. And, you know, he talked to the leadership group in one meeting this morning, and then he talked to the rest of the team in one meeting this morning, and then he had some one-on-ones. And and that was the thing that these players came out of, is this is going to be hard, and I'm going to push you, and but it's all about winning. And he just kind of seems to maybe be, and who knows, this could totally go in a different sour direction, but he wants to win, he wants to win in Calgary, and he's... I think they're for the long term, and, and so the players know that, that it's not going to be about another coaching change. And But that's the thing that kind of stands out for me is this group kind of needs someone to bring them together, to galvanize them, and that to me has been a piece that, that's been missing. Yeah, I was actually surprised he he actually came out and said it's unfinished business. I mean, some of his players were 
you know, 10 years old or younger <laughs> when the Flames were in the Stanley Cup in, in 2004. So it's it's business that doesn't really even register for them. But, you know, if that motivates him and he can use that to motivate the team, more power to him. You know, you mentioned that he doesn't sugarcoat his message. So I want to tie that together with what happened at Oilers practice today and Tippett stopped a drill and probably yelled for as long and as loudly as I've heard him in his season and a bit coaching the team. I, I don't see a lot of that at practices. I, I mean, McClellan might have pulled it out two or three times a year to, to think about that. It, it, you know, you played. You played on teams that had incredibly high expectations. Um, what what does, a, does, a, does a yelling coach actually jolt the team? Does, does, it, does it affect the players? Can a coach yell too much? I'm just wondering your take on that. Well, I think definitely they can yell too much, but if it's just happening every once in a while and, you know, I, I didn't get a chance to, to be here in Edmonton. I just got here this afternoon, so I didn't get a chance to watch the full practice. But I think if I'm Dave Tippett and I see a team that came out today in practice and weren't necessarily sharp and weren't necessarily focused after what just happened in the three-game series against the Maple Leafs, I might have had a few things to say as well. And, you know, listen, I, I watched that, and I think the whole country watched it and were just shocked at what happened with the top offensive players for the Oilers. I don't think anyone anticipated that because they're so good. But I think the Oilers did get maybe a valuable lesson for them long-term this season that you have to play good defensive hockey. And that was where the Leafs just kind of took this little mini three-game series over is just good defensive hockey. And they played without some of their stars for the first two games in Matthews and Anderson. And so if I'm Dave Tippett and my team was even remotely off in practice today, I probably would have went off on them too because you would have think that this three-game series was less than enough, you know. And I, I truly believe this is going to be a good lesson for the Edmonton Oilers to continue to work on their complete game. I think as a group, defensively this year, they're playing a lot better than we've seen in years past. And, um, you know, I, I think Dave Tippett was kind of like, hey, if you haven't learned the lesson already in the last week, you know, what is it going to take here? And get them right back on chat track and rethinking, you know, we're moving forward here and let's start getting down to business again. So it's a big game. You know, this is a huge game for both these teams to kind of for Calgary, they won the last one, but to get some consistency back. And of course they got shellacked the last time they played the Oilers and for the Oilers just to get back on track, right? Get some offensive, their big guys going and, and start to feel good about themselves again. Yeah, for sure. Uh, 8 o'clock tomorrow, our coverage on 6.30, Chad. will start at 6.30. Hey, I, I want to ask you, about too, about something you're involved in. Uh, I believe it is, uh, was it March 7th? That's Sunday. Tell us about the Scotiabank Girls Hockey Fest. I know you got to do it uh, virtually with everything that's that's going on this year. But tell us who's involved and and how you're going to reach out to uh, to young players here. Yeah, you know what? So today's the last day of registration, so you can still register up to midnight tonight. But you go to scotiabankgirlshockeyfest.com. And basically, it's a really fun thing on Sunday. We usually do them all over the country in, in NHL buildings. And we have like 300 girls show up each time. And it's amazing. But, of course, we've got to do things virtually this year. So, you know, some of the current players, Natalie Spooner, Sarah Nurse, Brian Jenner, um, they, they, we, we've gone through and we're, we do these sessions for the kids where they're going to learn about diversity, nutrition, hockey, of course. And they're going to get an opportunity um, to just kind of sit for an hour and a half and and go through some really fun things. So it's all done virtually. Um, it's free, which is amazing because sometimes in minor hockey, we're always paying for something. And uh, so it's that's amazing. And just basically you can register your daughter, Scotiabank 
girlshockeyfest.com. And if you do it today, you're going to be in for Sunday, and it's Sunday afternoon about 2.30 Mountain, and uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. A little different, but a lot of fun. Right. Well, and uh, a good time, because when was the women's game at uh, Madison Square Garden? Wasn't that just this past weekend? Yeah, that was on Sunday, and actually our national women's team, I'm a management consultant there now, and I'm just watching the game that they played this afternoon just before coming on talking to you, and they're getting set for the Women's World Championships, which is going to happen in Halifax, May 6th to the 16th. So that's exciting after having so many things canceled over the last few years. And the PWHPA, they did a great job in Madison Square Gardens, and they're in Chicago at the United Center this weekend as well. Oh, awesome. Okay, yeah, give that website again for people to register. Basically, ScotiaBankGirlsHockeyFest.com, and it's an amazing summit that's happening on Sunday. I think we have all, already over 2,500 young uh, ladies signed up, and uh, it's going to be just a lot of fun and something to, you know, your kids are still going to be on screen time, but at least they're going to get a chance to, to see some pretty cool people on it and, and learn a few things about the game of hockey as well. Yeah, that's awesome. I hope that is uh, a blast for you and for everybody involved. That's a really cool initiative. And, of course, I'll, I'll see you at the rink tomorrow. Big game, Oilers and Flames. Thanks so much for checking in, Cassie. Great to have you on the show. Yeah, cheers, Reed. Thanks for having me. That is Cassie Campbell-Pascal on Inside Sports, who will uh, be working the game tomorrow between the Oilers and Flames. So some good memories there of Walter Gretzky and the Gretzky family and some thoughts on the Flames coaching change as Daryl Sutter takes over and as she told you it's for uh, sunday and if you have uh, a player who might be interested you can still sign up today scotiabank girls hockey fest.com the big l has written into the show who uh, i always enjoy the big l's text because he can be very uh, humorous but he can also be very thoughtful as well a big l don't be embarrassed that i called you thoughtful and yes if you want the audio for your resume i can send you a clip of that i'll send you a written transcript script uh, big l just like uh, when you used to call for the hinterlands who's who. Big L says, Reed, I remember the early 80s so well. SCTV, the crazy Canucks, Terry Fox, and of course the Oilers and Wayne Gretzky. This guy who was raised and trained by his dad, Walter, such a part of Canadian culture at the time, but also something that grew to encompass the sporting world beyond that era. Hard to think of Canada and hockey without acknowledging the special relationship between this particular father and son. Big L, well said, my friend. You got a great sense of humor, and you proved you got a big heart as well. Very sad day because every every one of us that has come up playing hockey in Canada, especially you had a dad that pushed you along there, you know, and just uh, just my condolences go out to the Gretzky family, you know, Wayne and Keith, and uh, know them well, and they're they're uh, you know it's just a sad day, I'm sure for them. I had the had the good fortune to have dinner with Wayne and his dad last year when we were in Toronto and just uh, you come out of that dinner with, with Walter and it's just so positive so engaging it was uh, uh, he'll be dearly missed dearly missed Oilers head coach Dave Tippett talking about the passing of Walter Gretzky today after the Oilers skated at Rogers Place they play the Flames tomorrow night and uh, you know it's it's a good race it's a good race in the north division i think it's going to go to late in the season except perhaps 
for first place. Uh, I mean, Toronto is already in control. They're not, it's, I mean, they could be caught, but, but even though we're not quite at the halfway point, it's going to be hard for someone to catch them. Toronto's, and I've been going by points percentage rather than points because there's always a discrepancy in games played. So when you look at points, Edmonton is third, but I really consider them fourth when I look at the percentage. Toronto's points percentage is 760. 760. Then it's, you know, relatively close. Winnipeg is at 674. Montreal's at 591. Edmonton's at 560. And Calgary is at 500 if calgary wins tomorrow in regulation time they'd be two points behind the oilers with a game in hand so so remember that calgary uh has a chance here to really narrow the gap thanks to edmonton not winning a game for the last week winnipeg and toronto still play each other nine times they played once early in the season they still played each other nine times now so maybe maybe a chance for for winnipeg to to reel in toronto um but you know, seven points back, even with the two games in hand, they're going to have to we win seven out of those nine to really have a realistic chance. But but that could, you know, if Toronto dominates Winnipeg like they've been dominating pretty much everybody else with just five regulation losses, that could drop Winnipeg back a little bit towards Montreal and Edmonton. So, uh, you know, Vancouver's obviously struggling and, uh, you know, Ottawa is, is still a dangerous team. They're five and five in their last 10, but they, they've dropped so far out of the race they're not going to make the playoffs. They, they could have a say in who makes the playoffs by upsetting some teams along the way. But I really think it's Winnipeg, Montreal, Edmonton, and Calgary, three teams competing for four playoff spots. Uh, and, you, and you give Winnipeg and Montreal, well, you give Winnipeg a really big edge right now. And then maybe it's, uh, you look at Montreal, Edmonton, and Calgary, two teams for or three teams for two playoff spots. But a lot, lot to be told in that story and still a lot of meetings between the Oilers and Flames, still seven more meetings. But a Calgary win tomorrow is going to make it uh, a lot more interesting, at least for the next couple of weeks. Mentioned that Tippett got a little angry at practice today. He talked about his uh, approach to the group. Well, we had to get up and get back to work. We didn't play as well as we wanted for three games in a row. We had a day off yesterday. There's some things we addressed in a meeting with some video this morning, and there's some things we wanted to address on the ice. It's all part of getting our team back going the right direction. And Dave Tippett also commenting on that process. He keeps talking about keep improving throughout the season. I always equate it to... Uh, to the golf scenario you start golfing you maybe get to an 18 handicap it's a lot easier to get to 12 than it gets from 12 down to three and uh, the 12 to three is uh, is the handicap that once you get down to a two or a three you're a good player and that last bit is a lot harder to get to than get from 12 to 18 and that's uh that's where we are we have to get better as a team and as you do get better those steps to get even better than you are become harder and harder. And that's, those are steps that we want to make sure we're engaged in. Yeah. And, and that question that he was asked for that was, was saying, you know, is it, is it harder become, to become a great team than it is to become a good team? And that's how we answered that. By the way, the golf stuff. Yeah. You know, you know, what's, you know, what's hard to begin with Dave Tippett, even becoming an 18 handicap. A couple of summers ago, I was an 18 handicap for about two weeks, and then it slowly went back up to 21 or 22. My God, I'd love to get back down to 18 again. And I could only dream about someday getting it down to 12. Forget about getting it down to 12 and then going down from a 12 to a 3. <laughs> All right. You can always chime in on the Certainteed Hotline, 780-496-0063. That's with a phone call 
or with a text message. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.